it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease in Childhood. Welcome to the January Atoms. Vogue. The state of being in vogue implies an ephemeral, transitory period where an idea, a person, a subject, a philosophy even, catches the broader eye and the consciousness. The entity enjoys a Warholian 15 minutes of fame before disappearing entirely, or at least from view. That the internet can now capture these quarter-hour spells affords them greater long-term accessibility, of course, but does nothing for their active shelf lives, inevitably short, as a result of our societal concentration span. Greater permanence is possible for subjects not in vogue, but of perpetual importance. These are the problems that are eluded, evaded and defied for decades, centuries, sometimes millennia. But are those where advances are groundbreaking, permanent and, well, exciting in their unvoguishness. Tuberculous meningitis. Anyone who has witnessed a child succumbing inexorably to tuberculous meningitis will recognise the feeling of helplessness despite seemingly appropriate antibiotic treatment. So often a combination of a quadruple or even more mixture of isoniazid, rifampicin, verizinamide, ethionamide. This gives the pharmacokinetic paper in the ever-thought-provoking drugs and therapeutic section by Ravina Ruslami and colleagues in an Indonesian-Dutch collaboration even more resonance. In several children, CSF drug levels on standard doses were suboptimal, and given data from higher dose treatment in South Africa deserves wider consideration, at least where drug-induced liver injury, common but reversible, can be monitored. This work that has ramifications way beyond the pharmacokinetic data is thoughtfully discussed in Ben Murray's editorial. It includes an examination of the key practical and painful issues, late presentation, the lack of access to gene expert MTB and nucleic acid amplification, lack of culture facilities, the equipoise between recommended and short-term higher-dose treatment and the ceiling effect with standard antimicrobials which alone cannot rein in the inflammation underlying the neurological damage so often seen. Monoclonal therapy. The rise of biological therapies has generated a raft of peri- and postpartum questions unthinkable a decade ago. Take, for example, a mother whose rheumatoid arthritis has been well controlled with etanercept preconceptually and sertolizumab with very low transplacental transfer during the pregnancy. She wonders when her baby could start receiving routine vaccinations. Brian Flynn's enlightening Archimedes puts the theoretical risks in context and reassurance on safety of later live vaccinations. Decision sharing. Two ethics pieces, an editorial by Dominic Wilkinson and clinical law commentary by Rob Wheeler, have, despite their ostensibly unconnected themes, more in common than first meets the eye, the role of parents. In the editorial, seven common scenarios in which there is parent-parent or parent-child disharmony, or at least the unfeasibility of demonstrating harmony, are discussed. Solutions essentially resting on Gillick-level maturity, general recommendations, precedent, and of course, doing no harm. In the latter, the argument for parental inclusion on clinical ethics committees, which are purely advisory rather than statutory, is eloquently made. Irrespective of the lens through which you view the current stage of the pandemic, 
There can be no ambiguity about the findings from Karen Light and colleagues' analysis of the National Child Mortality Database. Other than the well-known ethnic variations in susceptibility, mortality decreased during the pandemic, and though decreased exposures to close contact transmissible infection is likely to have been a factor, the consistent non-susceptibility with relative risks of around 0.93 and of children is still at least for the time being the headline. Lou inhaler only syndrome. Just as in secondary care, primary care doctors need to identify at-risk asthmatic children in terms of treatment, adherence, education on warning signs and the avoidance of triggers. Household smoking, of course, the bête noire par excellence. Lowe and colleagues examined a range of potential predictors in just over 400 children from 10 English practices before and after the initiation of provision of exhaled nitric oxide measurement and spirometry as adjuncts to clinical assessment. Independent predictors included previous episodes, higher practice deprivation clothes, higher exhaled nitric oxide, non-Asian descent, and tellingly the asthma medication ratio, a measure of the number of prophylactic inhaled corticosteroids prescriptions divided by the number of reliever prescriptions. This, by implication, suggests that those with poorer control are more likely to rely on relief after development of symptoms than prevention. A low AMR at baseline and a reduction, in other words, fewer inhaled steroids and more short-acting agonists during the study predicted attacks with an OR of 3 with significant confidence intervals. We could have been having this conversation 25 years ago. In fact, we did. So why are we still hand-wringing over compliance issues? The motivator in similar situations is generally accountability, twas ever thus. And that particular nettle perhaps just hasn't been grasped with a gusto it really deserves. Genetics of syncope. The genetics of cardiac arrhythmias and cardiomyopathies has had a long gestation, but with the advent of whole exome sequences is now accelerating. Genotyping is much more than identifying a cause, as Shun Nanchui and colleagues data demonstrate in their population of children with sudden cardiac arrest. The yield for the whole exome sequencing cardiomyopathy and channelopathy screen was 85%. The children whose management was changed on the basis of a positive test faring better in terms of transplant-free survival and the need for cardioconverter resuscitation. So that's all for now. Be sure to check out the website adc.bmj.com for all the other papers and good luck for the forthcoming year. That's all for now. Bye.